Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Huston, back with another episode here in The Truth, back with another conference preview, the final of five Power 5 conference previews, as we're going to be taking a deeper dive and a deeper look into the Southeastern Conference, formerly known as the SEC, the best conference in all football, and without a doubt is the biggest most prolific conference to produce athletes year in and year out, as well as teams' performances and all that good stuff. If you missed any of the other Power 5 conferences, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, ACC, I highly recommend you go check those out. Today, I'm just basically going to be going over my rank standings in each division for the SEC and give about a minute recap on why I think they're going to be in the position that they're in. Starting things off in the SEC East and the number one team, the Georgia Bulldogs. Lost a lot of key guys last season, but it's Georgia, so they have tons of talent on both sides of the ball. Carson Beck, I think, is assuming the quarterback role to fill in Stetson Bennett because they don't play a tremendous role. I mean, Stetson Bennett was good, don't get me wrong, but there's so many good surrounding players in the cast. It almost reminds me a lot of Brock Purdy and his impact on the 49ers. It just didn't seem, quote-unquote, existent, I guess you could say. So Carson Beck is a good quarterback. He's probably better than Stetson Bennett as a whole. Stetson Bennett definitely has the age gap on him, but with Stetson Bennett no longer there, I think Carson Beck's going to fill in that role pretty nicely. Brock Powers could potentially be you know, a top five pick when he is drafted. I'm kind of throwing that out there to be funny, but he's got a top five talent just of how good he is. The tight end room last season was absolutely insane. Got a couple wide receiver transfers that'll help make them the difference. Going into the season, they got um, Dominic Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi State, so giving them some weapons there at receiver. They do have some defensive losses, defensive gains. I mean, look at the defensive losses they had Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, Keelan Ringo, and Chris Smith. But they also kind of got some guys, including lineman Michael Williams, safety McClay Starks, and linebackers Jamon Dumas Johnson and Samuel. So they lost a lot of guys and they gained a lot of guys. Could that be good or bad? Really don't know. I mean, this is a team, like I said, that can either be really good or really bad. So that's something I kind of take notice of and see down the line the impact that Georgia is able to make. But in my opinion, I think they're the best team in the SEC conference. And they probably are one of the most, (laughs) I guess, excited teams going into the season. Potentially can win three straight in a row, which would be absolutely insane. You'd expect a team like Alabama or something to do that. But Georgia seemed poised to win the SEC once again and potentially win the national championship, even with the new strength guys. And consistently, year in and year out, depending on how the transfer portal does play out, there's going to be a lot of guys that really have success as time goes on. Tennessee. I have Tennessee at the number two spot. Lost offensive weapons, obviously. Hendon Hooker, wide receivers Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. They need to replace them, though, and that's going to be huge for them. They got a good foundation in place with still a good offense. They got Joe Milton or Nico Emileva at the controls for the quarterback position, I do believe. And then they picked up some replacements in Brew McCoy and Squirrel White to help fill in the void behind Hyatt and Tillman. Defense is a big concern, though. They lost some guys will maintain the same structure and potential success. I mean, their defense was hit or miss. Um, going last year, they allowed 22.8 points a contest, which how good their offense was, I think that was pretty solid. I mean, Tennessee's known for having a prolific offense, so having guys have the amount of success that they did there is huge. And, um, you know, this is a team that, again, is going to really factor in the offensive play as well as the defensive play and find a connection between the both. They did lose some guys just like, you know, Georgia, for example, Byron Young and Trayvon Flowers. Um, we'll see, um, you know, kind of what they do to overcome that if they're able to 
have success on both the offensive and defensive side, and that's ideally the plan for Tennessee. But they seem to be just fine. I feel like it's a similar situation with Georgia. The only difference is that Georgia is just insanely good um, compared to Tennessee, and it would be really any team. I think Georgia is the best team on paper going into this season regardless. Florida at the number three spot. Losing Anthony Richardson was a tough out, but Graham Mertz is the new quarterback there for I think he's going to step up very nicely. I liked Graham Mertz at the quarterback position at Wisconsin, but I don't think it was the right fit for him. Graham Mertz is a very interesting quarterback. He's not got the speed and potential arm talent of an Anthony Richardson, but he reminds me a lot of Will Levis, and I think that's going to be huge for a team like Florida. They have great running backs as well, Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson, which again, having a good running back tandem is going to be huge. And it's going to familiarize Graham Mertz and the offense at least a little bit because Graham Mertz was used to having good running backs there at Wisconsin. So having good running back options at Florida is going to basically be the next step forward for him and you know provide him the opportunity to have success. But I do think Graham Mertz is in a better situation there at Florida, which is something that is a more underrated aspect for Florida. I think he's going to step up to the plate nicely, not saying that he didn't do that there at Wisconsin, but I think going into this season, you have to even expect him to have more success based on the situation he is in. The only difference is they don't have, you know, necessarily star wide receivers besides Rick Parcell. I would like a couple other options for Grammars to throw to. It's kind of a similar situation there at Wisconsin. That's the only thing that does kind of dim it there, but we obviously know how Wisconsin runs their offense. They run the ball a lot and kind of have their quarterback play inconsistently throughout the year there. And then it'll be a hit-or-miss defense, in my opinion. I think for the fun of it, I'll go with a hit. They allowed 28.8 points per game last season, and they also struggled to stop the run, giving up 175.2 yards per contest. So I'm returning four starters, but I do think that this is a group that's very young, very mature for their level, and I think it's going to step up very nicely. I don't think they're going to be at the 28.8 points per game. I think their offense will be around the same. Their defense will be quite better. That's why I think they're going to jump there from the three spot. A lot of people maybe have them as a five or six, even a four spot, but I think they're going to make their way up to a three spot. What's interesting, too, about the SEC is, like, I feel like the top two teams are kind of solidified, and then three through seven in each respective divisions are kind of, you know, thrown up there for a curveball and seeing what teams have success and what teams don't. Number four, I'm going to go with South Carolina here. I think Rattler has to and will be better. He complements a thin running back room. They have running back options, but Rattler's a quarterback that's a dual-threat quarterback. He's a great passing attack quarterback, obviously, good rushing quarterback, obviously. So has success there on both ends. He's got to find a way to have tied success there through the offensive passing side as well as running the football as well because he's going to be a big focal point for that South Carolina offense. Juice Wells reminds me a lot of the wide receiver position of a C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba connection, which is something that I think is going to be huge for Rattler moving forward and kind of seeing the connection that he's going to be able to establish there with Juice Wells. Juice Wells is also a guy that can be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft as a whole. He's got the capabilities there, the athleticism, the movement, the route running, all that stuff that you expect to see out of a good wide receiver there. They also have a good option at tight end and Trey Knox, which is one of the reasons why I think the Gamecocks are going to be able to utilize the passing attack very fluently. Obviously, having a good wide receiver core or wide receivers helps, but having a solidified, solidified excuse me, tight end who's also good at run blocking is going to be huge. My biggest concern with South Carolina, though, is their O-line. O-line does scare me at times, but I think this is an O-line that can drastically improve and have success as time moves on, and that's something that's going to be good for quarterback Spencer Rattler and then obviously the defense will be spotty from time to time but it can be solid and that's something that South Carolina desperately needs is they got 
one of the you know better offenses in all of college football. Their defense can be better, but I think their offense is almost too good where you have to keep them in the top four of this division. But their defense is also faulty that they could fall to a team spot, like a seven spot, which is obviously not ideal. But they still seem to be moving in the right direction. The question is how much success can they have as time goes on. I think this is a team, again, with Rattler at the helm, that's in a good position moving forward. The number five spot, I'm going to go with Kentucky. You know, Kentucky's interesting. I think a lot of people are high on Kentucky. I'm not the biggest advocate for the Kentucky team as a whole going into the season. Replacing Will Levis is a must. Devin Leary can be a must at times at quarterback, but he isn't Will Levis. I've talked about how much I like Will Levis, potentially a Hall of Famer. Already throwing that out there. That's my hottest take ever on the podcast. The impact that Will Levis can make on a football team and made on that Kentucky team with a very sluggish offense was very profound. Will Levis you know, had high expectations going into last season with a lot of the guys surrounding him, but moving into this season, it's something that he's going to need to continue to preview and um, kind of have... Uh, success as time goes on. So looking at a team like Kentucky with Will Levis gone, how can Devin Leary step up to the plate? Can he be the guy that was like the Will Levis and have success as time goes on there? But I don't know. That's a little bit that's concerning me there. They do have a great wide receiver core to balance that. Tavian Robinson, Barry and Brown, and Dane Key. I think the quarterback play is a little bit spotty. And also a question mark is the offensive line play. I think that's my biggest concern going into it. The offensive line play wasn't great last season. And you lose a guy like Chris Rodriguez Jr., Will, Will Levis, I almost said Will Smith, but Will Levis. I mean, that's kind of a sticky situation to be put in, and they got to find ways to adapt and overcome, because if they don't, then they're going to get bit in the ass with it, and it's not going to be successful. Defense was among the best last season, in my opinion. I think it will continue to be solid going into this season. I mean, Kentucky's known periodically for having one of the best defenses in all of college football year in and year out, and that's something that they use to their advantage. Going into this season too, especially with uncertainties of the offensive side of things, having a good defense is something that can really be the difference maker for the Kentucky Wildcats and have success, especially in the SEC Conference. I think if the quarterback play is solid with Devin Leary, the running back play kind of readapts and kind of has a good running back by committee, and the offensive line play does go up to the standards, and the offense as a whole plays better. This Kentucky team is a team that can contend, but I just don't see that happening this season. Maybe as time goes on, yeah, like next year or the year after that, but not this season, especially with how talented this SEC East division is. Missouri at the number six spot. You know, the defense returns eight starters, and it was extremely solid last season. This is great for them moving forward. Their defense typically in years past hadn't been the best of defenses. They were known for just having some interesting positions there, filling in the holes when need be, uh, especially when Drew Locke was there and, you know, guys like Michael Sam, you know, on the defensive side for Missouri. Going into this season, though, they have to have good offense production. I mean, their defense is going to be fine. Their defensive firepowers include cornerbacks Chris Adams, Drain, Ennis, Rakestra, linebacker Tyron Hopper. So there is some successful guys there in the defensive position, and that's why their defense is going to be able to have success. But my biggest question mark with Missouri is their offensive play. Can their offense be good? I mean, we look at those guys on the defensive side, and that's huge for them, you know, and they got a lot of areas there but also Brady Cook is supposed to be returning from injury he missed spring practice due to soldier surgery but he is you know slated to be the number one quarterback with Miami transfer Jake Garcia pushing for the job which is you know this is something that's going to be big for him because he's coming off injuries especially shoulder surgeries you see guys go through these injuries and not really be able to establish a connection in play especially in a high prolific conference like the SEC so how is Brady Cook going to adapt his offensive game and how is he going to find ways to have success because if he's able to do that then I think it's going to be solid for them but not sure especially early on and in those early games non-conference games where you're getting familiar with how offenses roll and everything like that. You need to find ways to have success, and if you don't, you're just going to be put in a precarious position. 
I think a struggling running game and line play will be the inconsistent piece for this team, and that's something that does concern me as far as you know where Missouri is at right now. Do they have time down the line to have success? I do believe so, but going into this season, I just don't see that being the case. I think there's going to be more flaws in Missouri's offense and maybe some on the offensive line to kind of spare their defense and put more strain on the defense, which is the absolute worst thing that you don't want to have there. And then finally at the seventh spot in the uh, East, I got Vanderbilt. You know, from the jump, they're not a good enough team to compete in the SEC. We've seen how bad Vanderbilt's played in years past, and so they're going to have to find ways to adapt and overcome with that. At the quarterback position, A.J. Swan showed some promise last season as a freshman, but you know, it's a must for their team going into this season. He's got to find ways to kind of make that next step going into his second year as a starting quarterback. You see a lot of guys, and especially with teams like Vanderbilt, where they have these guys that potentially transfer elsewhere just for more opportunity, or you know, like I said, it's kind of hard to play at Vanderbilt. But having a guy like A.J. Swan be your catalyst in the offensive side can really be the difference maker for this team. I think as time goes on, he definitely will be, and he'll be a guy that fits in the mix very nicely. But how do you get there, and how do you have success from the jump is something that I think they need to take into bigger consideration. Otherwise, they're going to find ways to continue to struggle there. Running back options in Jaden McCowan and Will Shepard are good, so that's at least a positive there for them, and that's something that they can use to improve their team and improve the comfortability of a guy like A.J. Swan. Defense has sucked the last two seasons, averaging 39-40 points allowed per game, which is something that will deeply impact them. This is a team that may not even win a conference game or maybe win one. They're definitely bottom of the feeder there in the SEC. It's a bit disappointing to see, but at the end of the day, this is the SEC conference. It's the best conference in football. If you're not ready to compete like Vanderbilt is not ready to compete going into this season, how do you expect to have success down the line? Moving gears to the SEC West division, i got to go with Bama as the number one team there in the West. They're not the best of Bama teams. There's even more question marks, per se, compared to other seasons, which is a bit interesting for Nick Saban. But at the end of the day, it's like the same thing with Georgia. Alabama's going to have tons of successful play. Obviously, Bryce Young's gone. I mean, there's other guys that, too. Will Anderson's gone. And that's going to hurt. Those are two guys right there, number one and number three overall picks. I mean, that just goes to show how good and having both there, one on the offensive side and one on the defensive side, really the success there. They have a couple quarterbacks vying for the job. I believe uh, Tyler Buchner from Notre Dame, as well as Jalen Monroe and Ty Simpson. I think Jalen Monroe does have the edge right now. But the biggest thing with their quarterback play is, you know, Nick Saban's got a lot of options. If one of these quarterbacks starts off the season and isn't starting off very hot, he will be very quick to make a change. He's done it before. I mean, we've seen it with the Tua, uh, Jalen Hurts situation. We've seen it happen. He'll definitely do it. He's got the players that he can do that with. So inconsistencies at the quarterback position, especially early on in the season, could provide more of a hurdle for Nick Saban in that offense compared to, um, you know, successes or having an established quarterback. I mean, looking at some of the quarterbacks in the NFL from Bama right now, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones. So there's a lot of opportunity for you know Bama quarterbacks to have success, but they're going to have to find that. And they're going to find this consistency on the offensive side. That's going to be huge for them. And that's one of the reasons why I think they'll really wait a period of time before their offense meshes. The running back game will have to be solid in the driving force until the QB play is established. And once the running back game is established, then you know the quarterback play in the offense can mesh very, very consistently. And that's the biggest thing is consistency. Can this offense have consistency? You already got the studs in the defensive side. Everyone knows that. But can the offense have consistency? Because if the offense is able to have consistency, this Alabama team's in a far better position. But it'll be interesting for Alabama fans. It's not going to be your typical, you know, relay to the SEC championship game. Do I think they're going to get there? Yeah. One of the big reasons why is because they're hosting LSU, who's probably their biggest challenger at the moment. But I do believe Alabama, you know, going in is going to be a good team. The question is, what successes are they going to be able to have? 
Number two, I got to go with LSU. They're a more established version this year of Jaden Daniels, which is huge. He had a good season last year. He actually did better than I expected him to do. And the line play will be better than last season as well, which is, again, a huge thing for LSU. LSU is a team that really prides themselves on having a good offensive line, good quarterback, running back play, all that stuff. And um, that's going to be something that's going to emerge as a strength for them. They got tight end Mason Miller, who's going to be able to do that. Malik Nabbers in the line is going to be huge. And they have one of the best receiving cores there, too. Defense limited offense to 22.5 points per game, which in the SEC conference, unless you're Georgia, that's actually huge. I mean, look at LSU in the past, the guys that they've established through there in the successful years that you know guys like Burrow and them have had. You know the offensive play is going to be there, but how is the defensive play going to be? That's something that I think it takes time to really develop and kind of notice there. But LSU's defense is solid. It's got um, a lot of opportunity to be great. I mean, Mason Smith's back from a knee injury that basically missed all of last season. Uh, and then Harold Perkins as well. This is going to be a huge guy there for them. So that's the biggest thing. I think the biggest concern is their secondary. Um, they're going over you know, a lot of new roster changes in the secondary, which is, again, a very dangerous territory in my opinion. Because college football, let's face it, high prolific scoring offenses, you're not running for 400 yards a game, right? You're passing for 405 touchdowns. So secondary arguably could be the best most important position on the defensive side and that's something that's going through a major overhaul once again and that's something that's a bit concerning so how does that adjust and how you know as time goes on do they find ways to have successes is going to be something that you know i'm going to need to find from lsu otherwise they're going to be put in a position where they obviously don't want to be and that's not good for really anybody involved there Next is the number three position, I got Arkansas. Arkansas is a very interesting team, in my opinion. I think they're a dark horse for the SEC championship. And do I think they'll make it to the SEC championship? No, but if there's a team out of this division that's going to make it to the SEC championship, it's going to be Arkansas. Their offense will be even better this season with another season of quarterback KJ Jefferson and running back Rocket Sanders. I mean, having a guy's name like Rocket Sanders is huge of itself and puts your offense in a better position than when it began. I'm just kidding, but you know what I'm saying. Defense will be contending, but has to be better stacked up against LSUs and Bamas. I mean, at the end of the day, defense will be good, and it's got to be better, but how is it going to stack up against those offenses, those high-powered offenses there? Because you know Arkansas is good at high-powered offense, but the difference between Arkansas, I mean, uh, yeah, in Arkansas and LSU slash Bama is the fact that they have high-powered offenses, but more stout up-front defenses, and that's something that Arkansas does struggle in. They allowed 30.6 points a game last season. They got to improve that to around 25. Otherwise, I think they're pretty much screwed. Or I shouldn't say pretty much screwed, but they're not in a good position. They've become more vulnerable and susceptible to options on both the offensive and defensive sides, which is something that's a bit concerning to me as a fan of college football. I mean, knowing what the SEC and the offensive performances that they can create there, it does kind of create the door for, I guess, more opportunity there. So that's something we'll, we'll have to see as time goes on. And, yeah, I think being able to get turnovers is going to be huge for Arkansas and can be the difference maker. But at the end of the day, reducing the points per game is going to be the difference maker for the team as a whole, obviously on the defensive side, but more longevity the team as a whole. Ole Miss, I mean, good start to the season last year. I believe they went 7-0 and before going 1-5 and in their final four games, or five games, or six games, whatever it is. Man, I can't do math anymore. Uh, but they have to have consistency throughout the season. Transfers on both sides of the ball can be fine again. It's another tricky situation where kind of have to mix and match and see what, what works and what doesn't. 
I like the transfer quarterback situations. There's some options there at the quarterback position where you know they can find ways to have success. Um, you know, I think as far as you know where they're at there is Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard, LSU and Oklahoma State transfers. This is going to be something to kind of really push for the job. And both guys are established more Spencer Sanders and established there. But I think it's going to be something that's going to be huge for them. But more than that, their running back playing Quishon Judkins is also going to be you know one of the better running backs in all of college football. And having a good established running game was one of the reasons why Ole Miss started off the season seven and zero and was seriously contending for a college football playoff run. That's why I think it's going to be a breakout year for Quishon Jenkins. I think at the wide receiver options, they have some you know, successful opportunities there. They got Trey Harris, Louisiana Tech, and Zagiri Franklin from UTSA, which is kind of solidifying a receiver corps that can definitely be better. But how are those players going to mesh well? I don't know. And that's why I kind of have them right in the middle this season. I think their defense, again, is right in the middle as well. Not too many stars on the defensive side, but good SEC defensive players, which is why I have them sitting right there in the middle of the pack. This is a surprise for a lot of people, but I have Auburn finishing fifth here in the SEC West division. Again, this is a division and a conference where guys can interchange and you know finish first or finish last in a matter of weeks, really. I mean, these are <laughs> division standings where one game could be the separating factor between having success and you know failing, and that's something that I think Auburn potentially can be this year. They got a new head coach in Hugh Freeze, who I believe was at Liberty last season. He's had a successful career there at college football. And they also have a heavy transfer portal, bringing in efforts to find a way to win the West. I mean, their offensive line is a bit scary. Peyton Thorne at the quarterback position is a good transfer addition, but stopping or improving the run will be huge for this Auburn's team and their situations that they're going to endeavor. At the end of the day, again, moving transfers is difficult, but Hugh Freeze is one of those coaches that can establish that and find ways to have success. I mean, they have good receivers. They have good options there. They, um, you know, allowed 20 or they only scored 24.8 points a game last season, which was huge. They have to be better at the run. They gave up 172.7 yards a game. That's just not going to cut it, especially in this division. But if they're able to improve both sides that even a little bit, I mean, it counter changes and it provides Auburn with an opportunity to have success from the get-go. And I think that's going to be something that Auburn fans are really excited for going into this season. Texas A&M at the number six spot. It was an underwhelming season last year. I'm expecting a bit of the same going into this season. They have a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. He does scare me a bit, but they have a great wide receiver trio of Alania Smith, Evan Stewart, and Moose Muhammad III. A lot of potential at running back in Ruben Owens as well. I think the experience, inexperience will be the fall for the Aggies, not town. Again, on paper, this is a team that has a ton of talent, but how are they going to fare against the SEC competition? Are they going to be a team that's successful or not? I mean, talent-wise, they're projected, what, third or fourth in the division, so they have all the talent they need. Can they put two and two together and find success? If they're able to do that, then yes, I think they're going to be a successful team. But in my opinion, I think it's going to be the inexperience that does scare me with Texas A&M and ultimately cause of their demise there. They were 14th in the SEC last year in stopping the run, which is even worse than some of the times that we've seen there. But they only limited points to teams to 21.2 points a game, which is the more contributing factor on the defensive side. But wearing down a defense, too, does provide the injuries that they encountered and the struggles that they did face. So, I mean, that's something that, again, is, is something to watch out for and, and see kind of down the line if they're able to find interchanging you know pieces to hire. But I think the in, in, um, inability to mesh well will be the biggest downfall. And then Mississippi State, they got a new head coach, new philosophies. Will Rogers at quarterback should be a stable situation, new D.C. Defense should be spotty other than the linebacking core, which is pretty solid for Mississippi State. I feel like they always have a good linebacking core. But in this season at the linebacking core, you know, you got Jet or 
Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson. I was looking at something different in my notes, but great linebackers there. They've proven time and time again they can be great run stoppers as well as pass defenders, guys that can easily make an impact there on Sundays in the NFL. More experience in the line of passing attack would put Mississippi State in a better position, and it's a tough conference to be in at the end of the day. I think they're in a similar position with Texas A&M, where besides the consistency there at the linebacker position, they you know have to kind of find a way to shift from the air raid attack. They're, I think, likely to aim for more of a balanced attack under Coach Barbe, but you know at the end of the day, the offense still runs for the quarterback Will Rogers, and Will Rogers has got to be at the peak form of his game you know for Mississippi State I think one of their downfalls was their air raid passing attack but at the same time too it's something that when you switch offenses and try to have a different philosophy it's something that just doesn't fix overnight and it actually takes a period of time which is why I think Mississippi State's heading in the right direction as far as coaching is concerned they have tons of talent but I think inabilities to perform there is going to be the biggest downfall and more than that the inconsistencies that this offense and defense for that matter are going to face are going to be definitely difficult for Mississippi State to adapt and overcome with Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. Thank you guys for listening to the Power 5 Conference Breakdowns. I hope you guys did enjoy this joint series. Like I said, stay alert to The Truth. Follow The Truth on Twitter at TheTruthAs1 to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value to really determine and see kind of moving forward what we're going to be able to do with this college football podcast moving forward. Like I said, I don't plan on doing weekly college football podcasts. I think I'm only going to start doing those at the college football playoff because that's really all that matters anymore. So give you guys my college football playoff rankings week in and week out. I hope you guys are excited for that. But if you guys do end up wanting to see more college football podcasts, definitely let me know here. I want to get more familiar with college football and maybe incorporate it into next season for potential moving forward as well. So I hope you guys are excited. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most. Niall Hessen. Make sure you guys subscribe to The Truth, and until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Take care, and good night.